Before I forget, uh, for all you ladies, there is a little book that, out there that we'd like to give you as a gift, Pocket Prayers for Mom by Max Licato. So it's, it's um, right in a little basket on the way out. So make sure you get one of these uh, and take one of those with you. So It's for all women. What did I say? Okay. Um, let's go to prayer. Lord, we thank you for your, your word and how it impacts each one of us, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, and I pray that you would speak into our lives. I, I pray that there would be a longing, a groaning uh, inside of us, Lord, that would, that would yearn to go deeper with you, uh, to not stay the same, to be transformed uh, by the renewing of your word, and, and by the renewing of uh, the spirit inside of us that changes and, and, and uh, conflicts uh, with that self uh, side of us, Lord, that, that wants to remain the same. So use your word mightily this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. I, you know, I find it somewhat ironic that in today's scripture, uh, the example of childbirth... <laughs> Uh, is used as a way of uh, describing us waiting for the future uh, glory that will be revealed to us. If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, we're just going to look at five or six verses this morning uh, as we make our, our way through chapter 8, this wonderful chapter in Romans and, uh, and, a, and all of Scripture, actually. It's just a, an awesome portion of Scripture. I'm going to start with verse 22, which is kind of mid context, but but start with verse 22, and I'm going to go through 27. So, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we have... Excuse me, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So just as a a woman anticipates meeting her newborn child, uh, we also have that eager anticipation to see what the Holy Spirit has for each one of us. And so, uh, with the wonderful anticipation of a child being born, there also comes, what? A time of suffering <clears throat> and pain. And so, although us men cannot relate completely to the pain and suffering a woman might feel prior to childbirth, we do know what it's like to wait. And if you are married, you know what it's like to wait. Um, 
But all believers, all believers should be uh, eagerly waiting for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, however, in the meantime, we should uh, be waiting um, and, and anticipating that there may be some uh, pain. And, uh, and there, uh, for also in that time of waiting, we should be waiting for the transformation uh, of us spiritually. And so I find that this truth to be a missing component in many Christian lives. The anticipation and the expectation that we, in fact, do change. And, and we should change. Prior to being a Christian, we were actually stuck in a cycle. And uh, it's a sin cycle. You know, we sin, uh, and then we feel guilty, uh, and then, or we suffer the consequences of that sin, and that those consequences to sin always produce pain. And then we're sorry, maybe not sorry to God, but we are sorry that we're going through the pain. This again, this is prior to coming to faith in Christ. And so you feel bad. And feeling bad, you say, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm going to stop this behavior because it's damaging myself, it's damaging the people around me. And you might do one of two things. Either that, that you produce in yourself a short-time change, or you exchange what you were doing with something else. So you might give up getting drunk for doing some other pleasure that is sinful. And you exchange those, or it's just, a, it's just short-lived because what happens? Then a temptation comes along and you fall back into that same cycle and you, the temptation causes sin and you start all over again and you sin and it causes guilt and the guilt causes pain and then you get stuck. And so that was us. That's us prior to salvation. And this is why, uh, why I love what the Holy Spirit does. He brings change to our lives. Life in Christ is full of hope and victory and promise. Now instead of walking around defeated in misery saying, no, I hope I might make it someday. No, we can smile at the future with great confidence because the Holy Spirit is in fact changing us. And so the, the groaning described in this chapter, and you'll see it three times, there's this groaning of the creation, there's this groaning inside the Christian, there's a groaning by the Holy Spirit himself. And there's this, this unsettledness that we have the, the only unsettled spirit that we should have as believers is the discomfort of staying the same. We don't want to do that. Again, before we became Christians, we acted content. Uh, we, pretend, we pretended to be content with our lives. We looked around and looked like everybody else is fine. Uh, people that don't have Christ and looks like everyone's living a happy a happy and uh, easy life, but we fail to notice that the disappointment is there. The dissatisfaction with life is there. The unrest is there. And so we're misled to think that everyone has their life together because we didn't look deep enough. Once you become a Christian and once you have tasted what life is like in Christ, you just want more and more and more. And there's this, there, there begins this incredible change inside of us. You know, there was a time in my life when 
I didn't care about the Bible. <laughs> I didn't, I wouldn't read. It was another reading project. I didn't even like reading, and let alone, oh, no, you need to read your Bible kind of thing. The Bible actually meant nothing to me. Even, even the family Bible I picked up on occasion, that was, you know, just we had in our house to press flowers and other things. But, but there I would crack it open. I'd read it. like, what is all this? And I, it doesn't make no sense to me. And, uh, and so the time came when I gave my life to Christ. I put my faith in him, and the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. And all of a sudden, I had this Bible, and I couldn't read enough, and I just love it. And here I am 45 years later, and I still love it. I love that time alone with the Lord and just reading. And, and every time I read it, I find something new. And it just reminds me of it. It's sort of like you know your spouse is, is cooking sauce in the, in the, in the kitchen, and it's a wonderful tomato sauce, and you walk through, and you say, oh, I just... Let me take a piece of Italian bread and dip it in there and just like, I just want to taste. And you taste it and you're just like, what time is supper? Because you've tasted, you just got a glimpse of what's coming. And, and, and this is like our, our spiritual lives. You just taste what the Holy Spirit has for you. And it's just the beginning. The Christian tastes the benefits of life in the Spirit. And now there's a longing of what will come. And so today's thesis uh, is this. Believers should long for all the Holy Spirit has to do in their lives. Believers should long for all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in their lives. And there should be this longing. You know, old-time believers called this something. They called it holy dissatisfaction. Because, you know, we want to be content people. We want to be content with God has given us for most things. But I believe God does not want us to stay content, to stay as babes in Christ. He has so much more for us than this mundane, you know, I guess I got to do what I got to do. You know, this is re- reflected in our portion of scripture today. There's three partakers in this holy dissatisfaction, if you will. And, um, uh, and so our text talks about that. So turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 22 again. And that verse, I'll just put it up here. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. And so that, that first groaning comes from what? It comes from the creation itself. All that God's created, this whole earth, Creation is not satisfied with status quo. The creation itself, that God, you know, all that God created isn't satisfied with where it is right now because of sin crept into this world and now we have weeds and we have all this other, uh, these things that aren't acting normally as they would, uh, prior to sin and death entering this earth. And so there's this groaning going on. That word, by the way, groaning, had, it did little for me. I was like, what is that? That sounds like some miserable character that's complaining about some little detail being overlooked. I used to work for a, a railing uh, company. We sold solid steel railing. We sold aluminum railing. And uh, I had an employer that gro- <laughs> he groaned. Uh, uh, you know, I would, I would, I was a salesman, so I would go out and there'd be a day, you know, I didn't sell anything. And I'd come back and say, hey, so what do you got? And I, and I didn't have anything. I said, you know, a lot of seeds out there. And I, you know, I, he said, 
Are you really trying your best? You know, you can only get so excited about railing. I, I, I hate to say, I don't want to tell him that, too. And he would do a groaning like that, but he'd also do his groaning through his teeth, like he would suck air in through his teeth, like. And so one day I, went, I sold a lot of stuff. I came back, I, you know, thousands of dollars worth of railing. I came with this, with this uh, folder full of cells. I said, you're going to believe this. And he was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to make all this and get it delivered on time. <laughs> he was a groaner. The kind of groaning that we see in this portion of Scripture isn't that groaning. It's not a groaning of discontent. It's a groaning of anticipation. And, and it's a different kind of gro- groaning. The, the groaning in our text today is that, that eagerness, that eager anticipation of what is to come. And so, uh, and, and what do they use as an example? What does Scripture use? What does the Apostle Paul use? Childbirth. You know, a, a, a woman... In childbirth, she groans, yes, but, and yes, it is in pain, but it's also anticipation and in anticipation of a child, a baby being born. And there's a different type of groaning. It's a different type of groaning when you're, when you've got a bullet wound and then when you are delivering a child. And so much so that when the child, they tell me, I'm not speaking from experience, um, I mean, I've been there and, and witnessed it, but it's, you know, it's, you, you moms know what this is like. When they place the baby on you, there's a replacement from that pain to great joy. Well, most of the, most of it. But the, the whole earth is experiencing the consequence of sin. We talked about this uh, several weeks ago. It's not operating the way it was designed. And so there is this eagerness, even from the earth itself, to be reconciled the way it was designed. Also, I love the analogy of childbirth because those pains are coming harder and faster. And, and I don't know about you, but you can see prophecy being fulfilled almost daily. And, it, and it's coming. The pains are coming harder and faster. And I'm saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need that reconciliation. We want you to come. And all the earth in anticipation um, this, this is a personal note. This isn't theological or anything. It's just Dan Eloise, and I would say this. But this whole um, climate um, issue <laughs> that the world is struggling with, I think it's a way to take the, our eyes off of the coming of Christ. You know, we have the increase of earthquakes and, uh, and floods and all of that, the things that are happening. And Scripture tells us that those are going to happen at the return of Christ. We're blaming it on climate control or, or, or whatever. The, and I really think it's going to take the eyes of people off. These things are happening not from climate change, but they are the birth pains of the return of Christ. And so, again, okay, so that was, I'm just putting that out there. And so, even though there is no promise that the earth will be restored, there is a promise that it will be replaced a new heaven and a new earth. And so there is this holy dissatisfaction, a groaning, a longing in all of creation. And there will be a, a there there is no restoration for the earth, but there is a replacement, but there is a restoration promise for the believer. And so we groan also. Um, and that that second groaning that's talked about in scripture 
are the believers that are not satisfied with status quo. Look at verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for what? Our adoption as sons and the redemption of these bodies of ours. There's two things there. Not only so, but we ourselves. And who is that? We who have the, fr- the first fruits of the Spirit. Who is that? That's the believer, right? And we groan eager- eagerly for two things there. The, our adoption as sons, our adoption for, uh, we want our, our adoptive parent to pick us up, right? And we, that's, that's Christ's return when we'll meet with Him in the air. And then secondly, the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for new bodies, new immortal resurrected bodies, which cannot rot or be injured or experience pain or suffering or sin. That's a wonderful body to have. <laughs> and I'm, I'm longing for that body. But we have the first fruits of the Spirit. And when you think of first fruits, you know, that's, it's really a farming, um, um, uh, term. You know, you know, the farmer goes out, he, he sweetens the soil in the fall. I know nothing of this, but I'm, I'm just reciting what I know, uh, from reading. Uh, before the snow flies, so they, they, he sweetened up the soil, and this, in the summer, you know, he fertilizes, turns over that soil, he disc gets smooth, takes out the rocks, rakes it, whatever he does. He, he makes these little tiny ravines, and he plants along those ravines, and the water, ca- you know, is captured in those ravines, and it is, and, and, and he nurtures, and he dissuades any pest, um, or pestilence, and, and, uh, he prays for rain and for sun, and for warmth, and, and those things take root, and, and, and it's, it's just amazing. And all of this, and, and what is he thinking? And then once it takes root, and all of a sudden it begins to produce fruit. That's the first fruits, right? And so he tastes the fruit, and he, oh man, this is, he, and he looks at it, and it looks like it's going to be a, an awesome year. And what do you do at that point? Okay, let's just turn it all under now. No, he anticipates the harvest. It's coming, and he can't wait. It's going to be a fantastic harvest. And so the corn's never been better. The tomatoes have never been better. The melons have never been better. And he groans, man, this is going to be a good harvest. He doesn't destroy it, doesn't turn it under, doesn't forget about it, doesn't let the fruit just rot off to the ends of the, the vine. He harvests. And he looks and he longs to gain from all that he's waited for. Salvation, although we don't work for it, that work has been done by Jesus himself. He allows us to taste it. And we go and we have what they call in Scripture here, what, it, what, what the Lord calls the first fruits. And so we taste it and we say we want more of that. And we who were lost at one time, we who were afraid, we come to Christ and we experience the first fruits. And, and, it's, and it's rather remarkable. Maybe we'll join a Bible study, maybe we'll get involved and we begin to learn from the Word of God and, and we come away from a sin or two and we have real friends, we have true fellowship, that, like we talked about last week, and, and we have individuals in our lives that we never had before. We enter into prayer with, with joy and anticipation. We have a peace inside of us like we never had before. And what do we say in regards to these signs of the Spirit, these, these first fruits of the Spirit? Do we say, oh, I had enough? No, we did, that's just the first fruits. 
There's a longing in us and a longing for the Spirit that, that there is more for us and there's more to come. I believe if you are a true believer, you will not be content to stay the same. In fact, I believe God has placed in each one of us a hunger for more of who He is and a desire to go deeper, a yearning in the Spirit. We say, Lord, just bring it on. Just rain down on me the glory that You have for me. And so there's this groaning that takes place. But I I have to also add that there is an enemy who wants to cause confusion, and that is Satan. He wants us to be content. He wants us to just to shut up. He doesn't want, you know, it's interesting. Satan doesn't seem to mind those who just, you know, go home from a Sunday service, sit on the porch and drink iced tea, and they love to be content religious people. Uh, a person not longing for more, just, uh, you know, I'm saved. I'm good. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so we've tasted the first fruits and we look to God, our adopted Father, and we just can't wait for Him to take us into His arms and swing us around and say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. The word that the Apostle Paul uses there is redemption. Redemption. Somehow God is going to take these old bodies of ours and transform them into immortal bodies. And Edna Hardy is experiencing that today. (laughs) She lived for this day. And so the groaning that we experience is good groaning. We, We cannot wait for the complete transformation of this earthly tent that we travel in. And by the way, this isn't wishful thinking. Like I, like I hope it doesn't rain. You know, it's not that kind of hope. This hope is a hope that will come to pass. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes in what he is, what he already has? But if we hope, for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. You see, we have already tasted, we've already tasted what's coming. It is hope because we don't have it yet. Biblical hope uh, because we know it will come to pass. You know, that's my definition of hope is hope is believing in what will come to pass. Wishful thinking or wish, uh, you know, a wish is, is uh, you know, uh, I hope this will come to pass, almost like I'm not sure it will. And so we have the opportunity to taste what God has for us. Who could taste the Christian life, the first fruits, and simply say, I'm satisfied, that's, that's enough. And so let me ask you this morning, are you satisfied with status quo? Is that where you're at? Are you just... I'm good. Well, finally, as much as you hunger and groan for what God has in store for you, God the Holy Spirit groans and longs for it more than you do. Are you content with the amount of time you're spending to get to know the God of the universe? 
Are you spending time in His Word to get to know Him? Are you settling for, uh, I have this one particular sin and I can't overcome it and it's just my cross in life. Is that where you're at? Do you really think that? Are you satisfied uh, with a meager and impotent prayer life? Are you satisfied with keeping the Gospel to yourself? Hey, I'm good. Are you content with living a destructful, sinful, uh, in a destructive, sinful relationship? Or are you ready for change? Have you come to a point where you say, you know, nothing else satisfies? Is there a groaning on the inside for more? Look at verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness... We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And so, the Spirit is not satisfied with status quo. You know, a former member here, that's, he's gone on to glory too, is Jack Wegraff, and he used to always use this expression. He would say, God accepts us as we are, but He doesn't intend for us to stay this way. Let me say that again. God accepts us the way we are, but doesn't intend for us to stay this way. I love this about God the Holy Spirit. He sees our weakness and He goes to the Father on our behalf. You see, we cry for what we think we need. We ourselves, uh, you know, in, in deep trouble, we say stuff, and lost in emotion. God, I, here's what I need to happen, and we spell it out for God. Here, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. I think the Spirit gets a laugh out of that, and he chuckles, and he says, no, no. Let me offer the true request. While we're praying, this is an amazing thing about prayer. He intercedes for us, and groaning is too deep for us to understand. We don't even know why. The Holy Spirit changes our prayer as it goes up to the Lord. He, 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 he delivers the true request. He takes our prayer, lifts it to God the Father with groanings, longings, desires, so deep that we would never understand what He was talking about. His prayer, many times, would make no sense to us. It would be both confusing and wonderful. Confusing because the Spirit is not just asking what we are. He's not just relaying a request to the God the Father. He changes it. And it's wonderful because now we have somebody on our side getting us what we truly need instead of what we thought we needed. The believer who is genuine in prayer can't mess it up. And so you're at a prayer meeting and there's an 80-year-old praying next to you and he's using all the these and thous and thines. And you just go before the Lord and, you're, and now it's your turn to pray and you say, oh God, I don't know what to say, but I, I, I don't even know if I should take this job, this job offer that I have. I don't, I'm not really sure. And you, and so, you know, both of those requests, God loves. <laughs> both, both prayers, if you will, are the same to God because we have an interpreter and that interpreter is the Holy Spirit, and he lifts up the true request. And so, what is God's response? This, this, here's God's response in verse 27. And he, God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. How does he know the mind of the Spirit? They're one. <laughs> they are one. 
Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with what? With God's will. And we know that He answers every prayer that is in His will. And so, what do we say about all this? What does this, what does this have to do with us today? Well, I want to give us some application here just at the end. First of all, if you've been hindering the Spirit, if you say, you don't even know what it's like to live life in the Spirit, and and we're going to get actually more into this as we go further into chapter 8 here. But first of all, if you've been grieving the Spirit, and you can grieve the Spirit in a number of ways. You can, like, disregard Him. You can say the Holy Spirit's not real, or it's the wind or something, but the Holy Spirit is real. He's God the Holy Spirit, and he's He's in you as a believer. And so if you've been grieving the Spirit, disregarding the Spirit, if you've been trying to do everything in your own power, that's grieving the Spirit. You're, you're actually taking His place. I'm going to do this. I know what I'm going to do. And you make a list, and you make a chart, and you're going to like go through it. No. This, you need to be quiet before the Spirit. Lord, sh- show me what you want me to do. So repent of that. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been doing this all myself. I want to get to this this point where I'm just trusting you. Secondly, begin to taste life in the Spirit. Begin to operate in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. And you'll say, well, that was really good. You see what you're doing, you're tasting, you're getting a taste of what he has for you. And then you'll follow through more. As for more of the Holy Spirit's going to know, just a complete yielding. And uh, many people reach that point. They just say, Lord, just fill me afresh with your Spirit. I just need all of you in order to act this way. And a prayer can be, um, Father, I, I, I don't wish to stay the same. I'm kind of tired of living the same life and, and, and going through the same area of sin over and over again. Will you fill me afresh, Holy Spirit? And then as for this holy dissatisfaction, I don't want to be the same. I want The only satisfaction I want is, is completely in you. And you'll be transformed. There'll be this this beginning of a change, and some of the areas of sin that you felt stuck in, you're not even going to want anymore. I don't even want to do that anymore. I just I don't. And that's that is the Holy Spirit taking over. And so, you can walk away from this. And say, well, that was an invigorating sermon, Pastor Dan. I see you next week. No. We need to reach a point where we say, I do not, I do not want to stay the same. You begin to live differently if you take hold of this and you allow the Holy Spirit to live through you. Because believers should long for all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in them and through them. Let's pray. Lord, I I pray for your supernatural intervention here. I want you to to touch each life here today. Lord, that we would stop doing the things that we shouldn't be doing and start doing the things that you desire us to do. We just submit us. Even the moms that are here today, Lord, they just need a fresh sense. They need to be empowered by you. It takes all of the, the Holy Spirit's strength and power to be a mom today. And so I pray that you'd fill afresh all the moms that are here on this Mother's Day. And Lord, just take take our lives and 
and give us that holy dissatisfaction with staying the same and an eagerness and an anticipation of what you're going to do in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.